Good morning, everybody. It's good to be with you all this morning. You should have a handout in your bulletin. If you don't have a bulletin, raise your hand. Someone will bring one to you. Um, there's actually two handouts, one from one regarding the notes and then one with the songs that we just sang that we'll look at in a little bit. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you all. I'll have you know I got pinched before I even got out of bed this morning <laughs> by my wife um, who planned ahead. But uh, thought that would bless you. Let's come before the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Thank you so much for the incredible grace and mercy that you have poured upon us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who has given us new life, regenerated us, changed us entirely, Lord. Continues to mold us, conform us into your image. We're so thankful for your precious word that gives us absolute truth. Words that are God-breathed and are perfect and alone authoritative in our lives. I pray that, that those words coming from the pages of Scripture this morning would minister to each and every heart here. May we find ourselves praising you and worshiping you. I pray, Lord, that um, that what takes place this morning would be a mighty work of you, Lord, in our hearts. Taking distractions away right now. Um, taking hardness of heart away, taking the stress and cares of this world away, enabling us just to peek through and see you, Lord, and and find ourselves in awe this morning. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. We are in Ephesians chapter 2. This morning we'll be focusing primarily on on verses 6 and 7, but let's read from verse 1 and get in the context of the text before us. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also... We all once conducted ourselves in the lust of, the, of, our, of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we are dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved." And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Lewis Perry Schaefer on this text says this God's supreme motive is nothing less than his purpose to demonstrate before all intelligences, principalities and powers, celestial beings and terrestrial beings, the exceeding riches of his grace. This God will do by means of, of that gracious thing which he does through Christ Jesus. All intelligences will know the depth of sin and the hopeless estate of the lost They will, in turn, behold men redeemed and saved from that estate, appearing in the highest glory like Christ. This transformation will measure and demonstrate the exceeding riches of his grace. Everybody. 
looking on. Principalities and powers, angels looking to see what has taken place. Us here this morning as we come before him in his word, as we see over the last few weeks who we were, our sinfulness, being dead in sins and trespasses, looking and seeing what God has done for us, all of us looking on and and just seeing this display, this demonstration of the exceeding riches of his grace. The exceeding riches of his grace. Donald Barnhouse once said, I have no doubt that in the ages to come, what we might call billions of years from now, there will be angels who will look at you and me with awe and wonder, say to each other, there are two of the saints. They were on the earth in the times of the rebellion. They were dead in trespasses and sin. They were ungodly sinners, the enemies of God, but he loved them. And when they were like that, think of that. How marvelous is his love. How great is his condescension. How free his grace. He did it all. Or he did all that for them. And we will say to those angels, you are right in giving, him, giving all the glory to him. He is the wonderful one. He is the gracious one. There is none like unto him. And amid all the ceaseless activities of heaven, while we are associated with him as the queen is with the king, we shall ever point to him as a source of all grace and be in ourselves the exhibit of the exceeding riches of his grace. Whether those conversations will take place or not, I don't know. But I do know this. We will forever Billions and billions of years from now, be on display exhibits of the exceeding greatness, the exceeding riches of his grace. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6, it says this, that he raised us up together made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He raised us up together. Even now, we are part of the kingdom of God. It's this radical transfer that has taken place where we are no longer of this world. But we are the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. Philippians 3.20 says this, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you kind of get the feeling sometimes here on earth that, that this is not home for us? I mean, we can be all about the politics in our state, And you might die frustrated trying to change things. Um, We might be all about trying to improve social issues and myriads of other things. But the bottom line is this, is this world that we live in is sinful. The affections of people go away from God constantly. They love darkness rather than the light. And, and we are just in a different place of his lordship, wanting the things of God, wanting to please him, wanting to honor him. We've been given new life in Christ. Read with me Romans 6 verse 4 through 8. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if, if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, and that we should no longer be slaves of sin. 
For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we, also, that we shall also live with him. We died with him. You can picture that in your mind. He's there hanging upon the cross, taking our sins upon himself, taking the wrath that we deserved upon himself. And when Christ died, we died with him. Died with him. But when he rose again, we also rose again in newness of life. This change, this awesome new life that took place for us as Christians. He raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We find that we're pilgrims here on earth, that our home is in heaven. Hebrews 11.13 says this, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Our home's someplace else. He has raised us up to the heavenly places as far as we've been raised with Christ. Made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. When you look at the, the Greek that's here, the word that's used for seated reveals that this is a position that we already have, a seat in heaven with the Lord. Already has taken place. The fullness of it has taken place. And so it's not something simply that we look forward to as far as there will be a day when we will be there. It's as if this is the position that we have, raised with Christ, seated in the heavenly places together with Christ. We will reign with Christ in a position of joyful and secure fellowship with God. But at this time, as well, we are seated with Christ in a place of intimate, joyful fellowship. Something that we probably don't nearly think about enough. Isn't it a radical thing to know that he dines with us and us with him? Isn't it radical to think about that, that, that curtain that once separated us from the holy of holies has been rent in two you could come boldly to the throne of grace. You could call upon him in prayer. There's no go-between between us and our Lord. Christ is the one who intercedes for us. Going to him, being with him, seated in intimate, joyful fellowship with him, and we are now in Christ, found in Christ Jesus. What a position we have. And then in verse 7, it says this, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Ages to come. Now think about when this was written. Nearly about about 2,000 years ago, this was written. And what the... Holy Spirit is inspiring Paul to write is that the gospel is not going to change. For, for ages to come, ages to come, he is going to be showing the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. It doesn't stop now in 2019. It will continue on for all eternity, display, showing the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. God does that. For a moment, think of the songs that we sang this morning. If you take that sheet out, look at the last one that we sang, number four. See the destined day arise. Now, there's been some changes due to translation and additions over centuries. But the core of this song, do you know it came somewhere more than likely in the 500s? How radical is that? A song that, that was sung 
1,500 years ago. 1,500 years ago. Christians that would gather together. Ages pass. Thinking about the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And then they'd sing. Look at the words of of this coming out of Italy, written by Fortunatus. He says this, See the destined day arise. See a willing sacrifice. Jesus, to redeem our loss, hangs upon the shameful cross. Jesus, who but you could bear wrath so great and justice fair, every pang and bitter throw, finishing your life of woe. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Lamb of God for sinners slain. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus Christ, we praise your name. Can you imagine the saints singing that? 1,500 years ago? There in churches. Thinking about the cross. This destined day, this thing that had been prophesied for thousands of years, it had come and see the willing sacrifice. Christ. Jesus, to redeem our loss, hangs upon the shameful cross. And then, picturing it 1,500 years ago of Christ there upon the cross. Who but Christ had dared to drain, steeped in gall the cup of pain, and with tender body bare, thorns and nails and piercing spear, slain for us the water flowed, mingled from your side with blood. Signed to all attesting eyes of the finished sacrifice. And here we are, 1,500 years later, singing the same song. Thinking upon the pain in which Christ took upon himself and that it was finished. It was finished. 1,500 years ago, saints and churches Kneeling, standing, singing with all that is within them, praises like this. Holy Jesus, grant us grace in that sacrifice to place. All our trust for life renewed, pardon sin and promise good. Grant us grace to sing your praise round your throne through endless days. Ever with the sons of light, blessing, honor, glory, might. And then they would just sing of their Savior. Not because they had to, not because they were forced to, but because the saints 1,500 years ago loved, they loved the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Sinners 1,500 years ago were sinners indeed. They were dead in their sins and trespasses. They were in desperate need of a Savior. And when they heard the gospel and believed upon Christ and read his word as the Holy Spirit illuminated it to them just as he does with us, Their hearts were overflowing with love and adoration and gratitude towards their Savior, and they sing praises like that unto Him. Ages pass, 1,500 years ago. Pastor Matt also did the first three songs, ones that were written hundreds of years ago. A Mighty Fortress is Our God, written by Luther around 1527 to 1529, somewhere in that time frame. 500 years ago. We took our family and went on a Reformation tour some years ago. And I think one of the highlights for me was driving from like Prague through Germany and going to where Luther was born and his church and where he nailed the 95 Thesis and all that took place. But listening to Jonathan and Natalie, who were just so little at that time, singing with all their might in the car, a mighty fortress is our God. The car just filled, I mean, over and over and over again, singing that song. But think of 
how many saints before them? How many saints before them were in a place of going against the emperor, pope, church leaders, the government? And singing a song together, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us well. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate, on earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing? We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Thus ask who that may be, Christ Jesus it is he. Lord Sabbath is his name, from age to age the same. He must win the battle, just dependence upon him. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. And then I thought about all those that were burned at the stake. All those who were locked up in prison. I mean, when you think of 500 years, Reformation, 500 years of the gospel going forward to countries throughout Africa and Asia, South America, and here in the United States. The persecution that took place... When I was thinking this and, and, and thinking of this song, I thought, if ever comes the day where I will be waiting for my life to be taken for the sake of Christ in the gospel, I think that if I'm in that cell waiting to be put to death, one of the things that will be upon my mind will be Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. How many thousands of saints do you think had those words upon their minds prior to going to be with Christ after being martyred? Sitting there just thinking, let goods and kindred go. This mortal life also. The body they may kill, but God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. I will be with him. Knowing that he's in control And knowing that they are going to be with him, not based on their merit. Not based on their accomplishments. But based upon the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. How many Christians since 1757 have sung, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Just being in a place of, whether it be during a plague, or a dust bowl, or persecution, or sickness, or death, or times of joy, or times of loneliness, saying, Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Just work in my heart. Do a work in my heart to sing about your grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Does it never stop? It calls for songs of loudest praise. You can't sing that softly, right? It's hard, you get convicted. How many saints have, have sung 
in little chapels like on Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> and in little tukos, little grass churches in Africa. Streams of mercy never ceasing calls for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise his name, I'm fixed upon it, name of God's redeeming love. Hitherto thy love has blessed me. Thou hast drawn me to this place. And I know thy hand will lead me safely home by thy good grace. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the throne of God, he to rescue me from danger, bought me with his precious blood. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I am constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. On that day when freed from sinning, I shall see thy lovely face, full arrayed in blood-washed linen. How I'll sing thy sovereign grace. Come, my Lord, no longer tarry. Bring thy promises to pass. For I know thy power will keep me till I'm home with thee at last. These words sung, this hymn sung for centuries, centuries. How many people just sing with all their heart, oh, to grace how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. It's grace. Out of Germany in 1680. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Oh, my soul, praise him, for he is thy health and salvation. All ye who hear now to his temple draw near, praise him in glad adoration. Sung since 1680. These songs aren't here because someone kept a copy of the best of the 1600s. <laughs> best praises of the 500s. There's no oldies but goodies track that people have downloaded over these years upon their iPods and like all of a sudden we found one of them. They're here because saints for at least the last 1500 years and if we can go back further we'd find some precious ones. But saints have been singing of the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. We are told that in ages to come, he would show this. He would continue to show this. The gospel would continue to go forth. People's hearts like yours and mine would come to a place of just praising him with all that is within us because we've been able to taste and to see of the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And we love him. Angels have been able to see the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For ages, for ages now. When we read texts like this, it is absolutely evident that what we have before us in this salvation is better than anything that this universe could ever possibly offer. He's taken broken sinners who were dead in their trespasses and sins and made us alive. We are a spectacle. We are a display of the character of our God and its grace. He's taken you and he's taken me and he's done this. One of my old professors, Ian Dukit, said, our God delights in writing straight with a crooked pencil. That's you, that's me. We're crooked pencils. And he has done something awesome in us. 
and in spite of us. Over the last 2,000 years since this was written, the Lord has displayed to all in heaven and on earth the exceeding riches of his grace through the gospel. God's grace abounds without any limits for the Christian. We may find it incredibly difficult to forgive, to show grace, or to be genuinely kind to others, but God shows the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us. Think of the words that are said, the exceeding riches of his grace. Exceeding riches. It's, it is better. It is abounding. It's overflowing. The riches are, are such that we could think about it for the next several billions of years and not fully comprehend the exceeding riches of his grace. The text before us is hard to even talk about because I know that I will come up short from up here. How do you, how do you, how do you talk about the exceeding riches of his grace and not come up short? Not even come close to scratching the surface. It's grace that abounds without any limits. Someone has sinned against you and you're called to forgive them. You're like, all right, I'll forgive. I'll I'll forgive. I'm not going to forget, but I'll forgive. (laughs) Don't do it again. Or you kind of feel good about yourself. Or like, well, okay. We'll pretend like it never happened. Till we get in the next argument. Then I'm going to bring it right up again. How many times do I have to forgive the same exact thing? And we think of what happens when we are called to forgive somebody. Sometimes it's forgiveness people of things that are incredibly painful and devastating in our lives. And think of how difficult it is to forgive, to show grace, and to be kind to others. But God joyfully forgives you. It's exceeding. It's 70 times 7. It's where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. It's if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all all unrighteousness. It's white as snow. It's clothed with robes of righteousness. It's as far as the east is from the west. It's hurled into the depths of the sea. It's, I remember it no more. Gone. And then we start to think of every sin and we realize that I can't even come close. You get to think of the biggest ones in your life. Know this, brothers and sisters, the exceeding, the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus is way bigger than any sin you've ever committed. And the whole of them. The entirety of them. We were having no hope and without God in this world, and yet he has saved us. He's given grace to us. He's given his kindness towards us. Charles Spurgeon, in a sermon upon this text, said this, Dear brothers and sisters, I will not enlarge upon this, for this is a point for your private meditation. Shut yourselves up in your closets and think of what you were and what you would have been if it had not been for the kindness of God towards you in Christ Jesus. I encourage you to do that. When you get home. Just think of what you were and what you would have been if it wasn't for the exceeding riches of his grace 
and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Having no hope and without God in the world, what would you be? I know one thing. You wouldn't be spending eternity with him. You'd be covered with guilt and sin. You'd be under the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. You would still be blind. Your hearts would still be like stone. You would not be pursuing God. You'd be running away from him. You'd be haters of God. You'd still be dead in your sins and your trespasses if it was not for the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. That's it. If it wasn't for that, if it wasn't God putting on display his grace and his power and his ability to save wretches like us, there would be no hope for us in this universe. Don't you love the gospel? Don't you love our Lord who drew you and called you? Don't you love a God that, that just takes the exceeding riches of his grace and in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus and then he just pours it upon you? <laughs> he just pours it upon you. And don't, don't you love that there's no sin that is too great for him to forgive? Don't you love that his mercies are new every morning? Don't you love that he's made you a new creation in Christ and he's sealed you with his Holy Spirit and he'll keep you to the very end? Don't you love that he began the work in you and he'll be faithful to complete it? Don't you love that he works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure? Don't you love that he molds you and conforms you to his image? Don't you love that he is a God that is faithful when we're faithless? Don't you love that his love is some as a kind of love that nothing can separate you from it? Don't you love that where sin abounds, grace abounds much more? Don't you love the word exceeding? I love that word exceeding, the exceeding riches. Charles Spurgeon on this text said something along the lines of, uh, actually I wrote it down, maybe I didn't. He said on this text, talking about George Whitfield and, and Wesley, and preaching on this text, he said, Whitfield and Wesley might preach the gospel better than I do but they could not preach a better gospel. That was in this sermon that he wrote on this text. And I read his sermon just thinking, that stinks. I can't even touch your sermon. I mean, Whitfield and Wesley, I would love to hear what they preached on this because I read Spurgeon. I'm just like, man, how do you think like that? How do you paint pictures with words like that? Preacher of preachers, Charles Spurgeon. But in talking about this text, Spurgeon was so hesitant because of the, of, of the fact that you, you can't even get close to truly describing the exceeding riches of his grace. I started making a list of some of the things where, as, as far as we were included in the, all the sheep that went astray. That was us. We were included in the ones who were dead in our sins and trespasses. We were chosen before the foundations of the world. We were brought out of darkness into his marvelous light. We were purchased with the precious blood of Christ. Our sins were hurled into the depths of the sea. We were adopted into his family. We were blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. But you go through it. Here's, here's just a handful of them. And I got to a place of, this could just go on all day, all week, all month, as far as the incredible kindness to us in saving us. The exceeding riches of his grace. 
exceeding. You didn't want him. You rejected the gospel. You were a sinner with with nothing to offer him. He came and he died for you. But you and I ran away from him. Whosoever wills, let him come. None of us did. Until the Holy Spirit drew us, changed us, called us. With this calling in which we heard him and our eyes that were blind were made able to see, our hearts were softened to come unto him. But think of the exceeding riches of his grace that we were all going away from him, wanting nothing to do with him. What grace to take you and to do this when you are still a hater of God. Exceeding riches of his grace. And to think that he finds such joy in showing grace to us. In Micah 7, verse 18, it says this, Who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgressions of the remnant of his heritage. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. All of them. And he delights in mercy. When you start thinking about the exceeding riches of his grace, it gets even better when you think of who our God is and that he delights in mercy. What are we like? Okay, well, I'll show you mercy. Because that's who I am. I'm that good. But just this once, I'll show you mercy. And we're just like, never be the same with us, though. That's not how God is. He delights in just mercy upon us. He delights in it. He delights in taking you who were sinners, however great your sin was in this life, or is. He has forgiven you of it. He has hurled it into the depths of the sea. And you will be on display of you are here because of Christ. You are here because of the exceeding riches of his grace. There will not be one person that's in heaven that is, you are here because you're awesome. You're here because you're clever. You're here because, man, you have a way of pulling things off, don't you? Not one person will be like that. Everybody will be a display, a display of the exceeding riches of his grace. Every last person. In Charles Spurgeon's sermon on this, he says this, a child may fill its little cup out of the great sea, but the sea never misses it. Your sin is like that cup. And you may fill it to the brim with mercy. But the ocean of love will never miss all that you can take from it. Come, take all that you can take, and none shall question you. I love that. It's not a a license to sin that grace might abound. It's for sinners that say, does anybody ever go to the ocean and fill up a cup and think that the ocean misses it? Just keep going. Keep taking cups. Confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He hurls it into the depths of the sea. He remembers it no more. Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Keep coming to him. And when he forgives you, praise him. When he forgives you, give thanks to him. And if you're here this morning thinking like, he, he can't forgive me of this. I mean, I think he can forgive me of a lot of stuff, but he... He's the one who knows that I did this. He can't forgive me of this, of this one thing, or of these dozen things, or of these hundreds of things, or of these thousands of things. Please keep going, keep going and getting new cups. Keep filling them. They won't be missed. That's how exceeding the riches of his grace are. Spurgeon talked about rich people. There's rich people who who could tell you about the millions that they have. 
I have 10 million. I have 100 million. I have a billion dollars. I'm a billionaire. But what he says is really rich people, they stop counting. They don't know how many they are because it's just unable to be counted. It's exceeding. You take the richest person here on earth, they got nothing in comparison to the one who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. The one who, if he were hungry, he wouldn't even tell us because he owns it all. He owns it all. The riches of him, unending, unending, brothers and sisters. The grace, unending. The kindness, unending. The love, nothing can separate you from it. That is our Lord. That is our God. And for ages to come, ages, he will show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And when we've been there, once again, 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we'll have no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. It'll just continue. We scratch the surface. But may we go forward thinking, delighting in, praising him for the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus that has been lavished upon us. Our next song that we'll sing, it came from the United States in 2012. but I find it to be very appropriate for this morning. Our last song came from 1674 out of England. And just a little history on that song, the last one. When Reverence Bible Church started almost 14 years ago, when we met in my family room, and there was a small group of us that were there, Every time, every time, as we prepared for Reverence Bible Church, we closed with singing, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Let earth and heavenly saints proclaim the power and might of his great name. Let us exalt on bended knee, praise God, the Holy Trinity. Praise to the King, his throne transcends, his crown and kingdom never end. Now and throughout eternity, I'll praise the one who died for me. And may we do that again as we close our service this morning. Let's pray. Oh, what a God we serve. The exceeding, the exceeding riches of your grace your kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. If we're here this morning and we need a cup filled with grace, we might be here this morning and we need a bucket filled. Not even a bucket has ever been missed from the ocean. May we come this morning and find ourselves just overflowing with the exceeding riches of your grace and your kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. We need it. Every last one of us needs it. Lord, you you know if there's a person here who has not yet believed upon you. They still continue to go in a direction opposite of you. They're, they're, they're not of the kingdom of heaven. There's no affections for you or your kingdom. They're still all about this world and living for this world. Still covered in their sins and still under the 
fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. Still going in the direction of eternity and hell apart from you. God, on this morning, I pray that you would save them. Enable them to see their sin right now. Enable them to see their desperate need for a Savior. Cause their eyes to be open and their hearts to be softened, just as you've done to each one of us. That today would be the day of salvation for them. May they come for buckets of grace and find them not lacking at all. May they leave this place knowing that their sins were hurled into the depths of the sea and they're remembered no more. I pray that they wouldn't gamble with eternity one more moment, but that your calling upon their hearts right now would be effectual, powerful, changing them for all eternity. What a tragic thing it would be to have someone leave this place, Lord, this morning without being a partaker of the exceeding riches of your grace and your kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Do a work upon every unbelieving heart this morning, Lord, here. And for us as believers, us who have tasted of those riches, the exceeding riches of your grace and your kindness towards us, I I pray, Lord, that that in this age, just as in ages past, we would sing with all that is within us towards our Savior, towards our Lord, towards our God, towards our King, towards the one who has redeemed us and purchased us with his precious blood. May this be a precious time for salvation for the unbelieving, for praise coming forth from all. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.